calming and the trembling, that's talking about inside of us. And that's what Ben prayed, that when there's darkness inside of us, when we say the name of Jesus, something stirs. Because God wants every piece of our hearts. He wants every aspect of our lives. And he's, he's relentless until he gets there. He wants to make sure that he occupies every square inch, every centimeter, every molecule of our being. Why? Because it's his. Everything about our lives is his. The stuff that we have, it's his. Our hearts, it's his. The breath that we breathe, it's his. Everything is his. And it's a rightful response for us to have a, a response that says, God, this is yours. I want to respond rightly. I want to be a good steward of what you've given me. And you've been, this is a, this is a really cool uh, theme for this camp, but particularly in the leadership that Evan's had in terms of, of helping uh, whoever's been speaking help bring a focus, bring an attention, bring an awareness to the particulars of our lives that matter, that, that matter in our relationship with God as well as our relationship with one another. And tonight we're going to consider uh, loving our neighbors, but specifically what that looks like in our homes and what it looks like in our friendships. And I don't, have, I don't have a whole bunch of points to go through. I don't have any quotes whatsoever. So I'm sorry if you really love those quotes and you love looking through your notes at all the quotes and stuff. I'm sorry I don't have any. What I do have for you is this, Jesus. And that's enough. We have his word. And in his word, he reveals himself. And he reveals himself in every aspect of his word, in every word that is his word. He is the word, and he gives us his word so we are changed every single day. So today we're going to go to the most exciting book in the Bible, Leviticus. Yay! I got some amens. Hallelujah. Leviticus. I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm serious. I'm not serious. I was about to say that. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 19. Open to it. It's in the very front of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. 19 comes in between 18 and 21. It does. There's another chapter in there, but 19 does come in between 18 and 21, so technically I'm not wrong, right? For the record, I had no idea my daughter could do that. I was like, wow. Wow, that was pretty good. And now I'm officially old. I have no idea what the phrases are to... Like shade is something. I have no idea what that means. It's like I like shade when it's hot outside. I don't know how to throw it. I am totally old now. Spent 15 years as a youth pastor, but now I'm old. And I don't mind it. Sometimes I will have to ask my girls, like, what does this mean? I'll come across them, what does this mean? And they'll tell me, I'll look at them and go, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And, at, at, like, things go out of style so fast. Nobody, does anybody, anybody say woke anymore? That was, like, so last year. Man. Well, I thought you were going to come and spit some, some bars at me or something. I'll take you on, Dad. Pops, come on. No. I can't rhyme because I'm white. It's just a reality. I have no ethnicity in me at all, whatsoever. That's what we have. No, Molly doesn't either. <laughs> she just learned well from somebody else. 
All right, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. We've heard that a lot, right? New Testament books quote that. Did you ever know it came from Leviticus? That's what they're quoting. Like in 1 Peter, when he's quoting, you should be holy because God's holy. He's quoting Leviticus. Way back in the Old Testament with the law that was given, Leviticus is about all the laws about how you need to be in order to approach God's presence to offer sacrifices. Now, I do think it's one of the most exciting books in the Bible because Jesus fulfilled every single one of the cleansings of our bodies to bring us into his presence unashamed. So it's really, really exciting when you see Jesus all over the place. But here we have the holiness of God. We like, we know that, we got it. Let's check out what's next. Verse 3, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. Now, think about this. God puts his holiness and honoring your parents in the same concept, the same sentence almost. Did you ever think about it that way? Did you ever think about that obeying and honoring your parents? is holy before the Lord and it reflects his character because that's what he's describing to us. Now, we usually don't want to think that. It's like, I do not want to think that obeying my parents is holy because I struggle. I struggle with obeying my parents. I struggle with how I, 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 want, I want to do something that is fun for me and my parents seem to always get in the way and distract me from it, prevent me, restrict me, and I can't stand it anymore. And all of a sudden, we have inside of our hearts a rumbling and a stirring and a trembling because Jesus is coming in saying, I want to touch that. So I want us to be, I want us to write from the outset. Let me check my time. All right. When did I start? Like three seconds ago, right? Okay. Because that leaves me like an hour and a half left, so I'm, I'm good. I cannot entertain you that long. What was I talking about? Because I saw that big clock up there. That's what made me think about it. Help me out, Riley. Yes, something like that. We're doing that. Holiness. Oh, because, oh, this, up front, up front. Thank you, Riley. Up front, here's what we're doing. We are putting out on the table, I don't get along with my parents, and it's not their fault. All right, that's like point before the point. That's what we have to agree on. Can we agree on that? Now, your parents are sinful. You're like, yes, Pastor Jeff, that's awesome. I'm going to tell him that. Pastor Jeff said, you are sinful. And if they're humble, they'll say, he's right. Because you know what? I'm sinful. I'm very sinful. I told my, I told my family the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, I said, you guys, all of you, get my sin. I can hold it together for everybody else, pretty much. I can hold it together when I'm at church, leading the church, preaching. Everybody's like, Jeff is so, he's a man, he just loves his family. So No, my, I sin against my family. That's what I do. And so they have grace to walk with me. They have grace to forgive me when I recognize my sin and I repent to them and ask their forgiveness. They have grace and forgiveness stored up in their hearts because we do love one another. But listen, your parents and me, every parent on the planet is sinful. We don't get it right. We're not perfect. So listen, when we're irritated because our parents expect us to be perfect and they act like they're not 
they're perfect and they want us to be perfect. That's a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell because our parents, your parents know, no parent is perfect and we're trying to figure out how to honor God and love you in a way that's going to direct you toward God because that's exactly what Leviticus is talking about. Moses stands before the people of God and he says, here's what you need to do. God is holy. Fear him. And make sure that you pass it on. Make sure that all the generations after you are loving Jesus. In our culture, it's harder and harder to love Jesus. Because everybody has a different definition of what fun is. Everybody has a different definition of what pleasure is. And really, it's just up to you. So whatever I think and I feel, I can pursue that. And it's harder and harder to pass on the faith to, to coming generations. Because everybody's growing up saying, I, what, freedom for me is to get, I get to do what I want to do. So here, I'm going to give you three points. The first one is this. Honoring your parents will cause you to see God. Write it down. I'll wait. It's up on the screen. Honoring your parents will cause you to see God. I'm going to explain it. I see your page. This is what I mean by that. Remember, connecting holiness and obedience and honoring our parents. We're connecting those things. Here's how. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 or 13 says this. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You know why there's so many rules in the Old Testament? Everybody had to be, they had to cleanse themselves if they were defiled in some way, if they were unclean, and there are a whole bunch of rules, what makes you unclean, if you touch this, if you touch that, you're unclean for this long, and here's what you have to do to bathe yourself uh, and clean yourself up in order to enter the presence of God, meaning the tabernacle or the temple, you come and offer your sacrifice, and you give yourself, that is for holiness, because where did God's presence dwell? In the holy of holies. So God's, his purpose is to get all of us into his presence. But the beauty is that when Jesus dies for us and then rises from the dead, he, his presence comes inside of us. No longer do we have to go visit it. It comes to us and lives inside of us. So holiness is important, but holiness will open our eyes and open our spiritual understanding to see God. And see doesn't mean that he just poof appears and then we have a conversation with Jesus. That would be pretty cool if that did happen, but I don't really think it does. So, what it means is this. To see him means to understand him. So, by you obeying your parents, you will understand Jesus more. Do you know why? Because when Jesus was on the earth, he had to obey his parents. And he obeyed gladly. He didn't have to. He could have looked at his mother and said, I own you. You're, I'm your boss. At 12 years old, I'm your boss. He knew who he was at 12 years old, talking with the old guys in the temple, reasoning with them who the Messiah was. He knew because he told his parents, who had actually left him, like bad mother syndrome, completely on Mary, leaves a day and a half. Then they come back. Three days he's by himself in the temple, and he's talking with the old guys, and they're like, wow, this kid's kind of smart. And when his parents found him, they said, why did you worry us like that? He said, didn't you, think, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? He knew even at 12 years old his destiny. He knew his mission. He knew why the father had him. He knew he was God's son. He could have looked at his parents and said, y'all just go. I'll stay here. I'm good. He had the authority to do that, but what did he do? The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, he submitted himself. He obeyed. So when we obey our parents, guess what? 
we see Jesus. But we also understand something about authority and submission that helps us relate to God. See, here's the reason we have to obey parents. Because God wants you to obey him with your life. And there's a short season of time in your life that you're under your parents' authority. And under your parents' authority, you are to submit. And by learning through that submission, guess what? You are then coming to a place where when God calls your name and says, I want you to live for me, you have a foundation to live that out. It's not, it's not fake. It's not, uh, uh, it's not flaky. It's grounded. It's foundation. It's something that you know God has done this in my heart. He's my God. I don't love God because, because my parents do. Yeah, they, they've set good examples, and, and every parent, every Christian parent is trying to do that. We're trying to set an example and pass on the, the scriptures and pass on love for God and love for one another. We're trying to pass that on. But there comes a point that every single one of you will have to say, I want to love God because of what he's done to me, how he has saved me. It becomes personal. And that happens to everyone. So by obeying your parents. Oh, that's pointing this way. That's why it's doing that. I'll move. All right. Enough. But here's where... Obeying our parents means we have to obey their rules, right? How many of you really enjoy rules? Any of you? There are some of you, you can admit it, that you love rules. You love the security that it brings. You love that you know what the expectation is, and it's like, I got this. How many of you hate rules? That's me. I can't stand rules. They bother me, and they instigate me to want to break them just because. All right, there's two kinds of people, but you know, we still use the rules the same way. Now, think about it. We do not get accepted by God because we obey all the rules. You hear that? We do not get God's love to us. God doesn't say, how many rules have you obeyed? Well, I think I've obeyed seven out of the ten really, really well. All right, you get seven-tenths of my love or 70% of my love. God doesn't work that way. He says, love me understand me, know me. So the rules come in on purpose to help us in our love for God. Second point is this. Rules preserve and prepare our hearts to know God. Rules preserve and prepare our hearts to know God. This morning you were asked to write down, thank you for your participation in this, the uh, least liked rule in your house. And weirdly enough, there were like three main categories that appeared. One, some of you really hate doing chores. And you don't want to do chores ever. Now, I don't know what else you'd rather do, but you made it clear. I don't. Like some of them were like really creative. And I was going, man, I can take some pointers from that. That's all I want. Okay. So I took some pointers, but we'll see how it goes. Now, second category, which is the big one, is technology. You don't like the rules of needing to fulfill something before you're allowed technology. You don't like the time restrictions of technology. You don't like the fact that you can't have social media right now in whatever form or facet you desire it. You want freedom when it comes to your phone, right? Don't want to give it to dad. 
at night. Don't want it to, don't want to leave it. I want to be able to bring it in my room and I can't bring it in my room. And you feeling it, right? I hear you. Now the third category was personal space. I want to do what I want with my body to look how I want to look. I want to do what I want with my friends. I want personal space with them. I want to be able to choose when I go with friends and what friends I hang out with. I want to do that. So it's about personal space and even uh, in your room. Some of you were like, I don't like, well, even with friends, I don't want a curfew. I hate that I have a curfew. And then two, I, I don't like the fact that um, my parents don't let my room be mine. But they always remind me, that's my space that you're occupying. Nobody said that. I just threw that in there. If you identify them, that's, Sorry. <laughs> now, like, that's real. And I, I appreciate the honesty because I want to use that as an example. Now, I just asked for one because it's just like one that just irks you and frustrates you. So, but I, let me, I, can I go on a little tangent with technology? Thanks for the freedom. Tomorrow marks the 50th anniversary of what? A day. July 20th happened in 1969. The first day that a man set his foot on the moon. How did he do it? <laughs> Grew. We're going to steal. Pause for effect. Sorry, somebody's texting me. I'm not telling you. Because I can have my phone, you can. <laughs> that was really wrong. <laughs> it's too expensive. I would drop it, but it's too expensive. These things are like 800 bucks. It's crazy. All right. On your phone, your device has more technology right here than what was used in all of Houston and the rockets and the lunar modules to put man on the moon and return him to the earth safely. You carry in your pocket more technology than they had in 1969. And do you know, the amount of information and stimulation that we have from these phones is enough that would have hospitalized somebody for anxiety in the 1950s. So look, when, when your parents come to you and you're like, hey, pause. Take a break. There needs to be some type of category in your own life that you're like, you know what? Maybe I don't know what I don't know, and my parents know something that I don't know, and I can kind of trust them in this one. And also understand that this device, even though it lays dormant like this, unless it's on, and some of you have found this out the hard way, there's evil lurking that will come find you when you least expect it. When you, you think you're just perusing something on the internet and all of a sudden, whoa, look, it comes to find you. Weird messages that come up, phone calls from weird numbers. Look, all the companies that you say that we always want to trust. No, it's like, they, but Google owns Snapchat now, so that's all, it's fine. Do you know what Google does with all that information? They sell it to other people. And those people... You know, Proverbs says there's the three types of people. There's the wise, there's the fool who just is simple and doesn't know differently, and then there's the evil person. 
There's evil people who want to come after you. But not just evil people. We have an enemy of our souls named Satan who comes after God's people. So we cannot act like this is a nothing thing. So give your parents a break when they give some a subscription to your phone time, all right? Why does subscription just come to my mouth and mind? Restrictions, that's the word I think I was looking for. Give them a break. Now, my, in my house, and I'm, I'm unashamed of this, we have very strict rules when it comes to technology. And I know exactly the ones that my daughters put. I was like, yep, it's mine, it's mine. Because it's my rule. My wife and I created those rules. And we get irritated when those rules are broken. And there's consequences when those rules are broken. Because we know we, we want to preserve our hearts to know God and prepare our hearts to know God. And we have to be vigilant. That means watchful. We have to be understanding of how the enemy will come after us to, uh, to nullify our hearts' longings, to give us a substitute for God rather than God himself. We've got to be aware. Let me take, take you back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had one rule. What was it? Very good. Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? One restriction. They only had one rule. I just asked for one rule. You had more. They had one rule. They couldn't follow one rule. Made our lives misery, didn't it? Do you know why? I don't know if this is out of style. FOMO. That's why. Fear of missing out. Like I said, some of you are like, what? That is so old-fashioned, sir. Why do I say it that way? Here's why. Satan comes to them and says, did God really say this? Eve says, Eve actually added a little more. He said, don't touch it or you'll die. That's the rule followers. They love rules. <laughs> I, I take God's rule and I add another rule because it just makes me feel good. Now, Adam, he hated rules because he let Eve, his wife, go over there and talk to Satan when he should have come over and cut the serpent's head off and said, don't listen to him, honey. But he didn't do that because he hated rules. Eve loved them. Oh, I love rules. It's so They help me. Don't even touch it or I'll die. They go over there. He says, did God really say that? It, wait, 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 wait. God lied to you. Because he knows when you eat of this tree, you'll have more of what he is. You'll be like him. So Eve's like, I don't want to miss out on anything. I want, I want that. Now, Eve was truly deceived, the Bible says. She was deceived. She thought it was actually a good thing to be more like God. So she takes it. We don't know if it's an apple. We don't know. Just that fruit. And what does the Bible say? Gave to her husband who was with her. How's that for love? Yeah, hon, just go over there. Now, if he hated rules, what would he want? He wanted to see what happened when the rule was broken. 
But he didn't want to do this death thing because God said in that day you eat of it, you will surely die. I don't want to die. Send my wife out there to die. That's what we'll do. She gave it to her husband who was with her. He ate because he saw she didn't die. Looks the same to me. What happened in that? In that one rule, something was exposed. They wanted control over their own lives. They didn't want to submit anymore to God's loving care over them. They wanted to make the rules, the Bible says. They didn't want to be the rule followers anymore. They wanted to be the rule makers. I want to make the rules, and actually, I want to make the rules in such a way that God has to follow them. Isn't that sometimes what happens in our house when we argue about things and you're arguing for your freedom, you're actually wanting your parents to obey your rule? But I just think it should be this way. Now there is a a different talk on another occasion, but there is a way, I think, to very healthfully and respectfully appeal to your parents. If you think there's a rule that is not it's not fair in your mind, or if you feel like you are more trustworthy than they might be giving you room to be trustworthy, there is a way to be respectful and say, hey, can we talk about this? Because I think, I think I could be trusted in this category. Why do you, do you not think I'm trustworthy in that category? Why? Be open. Open to understand. Can I, can I get your understanding? Can what, what are your thoughts behind it? Rather than just barking out orders and then you just go escape to your room because you don't want to hear mom and dad's voice anymore, that's unproductive, right? Does it get us anywhere? It doesn't get us anywhere. But there are moments where we have to ask questions and we can ask questions in a respectful way, not like, it's not right. I should have more. I, I, I hated a curfew when I was a teenager. Hated a curfew. You know why? Because my older brother didn't have a curfew. He got to hang out with his friends, come home whenever he wanted. I get a curfew, and I was just frustrated and annoyed that I had a curfew and he didn't. What's the deal with that? You know what the deal was? Because my parents knew me, and they knew him. My older brother loved the rules, and they knew that. They knew he wasn't going to be ridiculous and idiotic. They knew I didn't like rules. They knew I would be ridiculous and idiotic if I stayed out too late. So they said, you have to come home. Now, it took me a long time to recognize that. It wasn't until I was in college that I recognized, you know what? That was kind of wise of them to do. Because I was a little reckless. And I wanted to push boundaries. And I wanted to experience life in a certain way that was good for me and how I wanted to experience it. But it was helpful for them to put that parameter on me. Now, here's the bigger question. Why did God give Adam and Eve a rule at all? He could have done it to where he didn't give them a rule, right? They just had one. He didn't have to give them that one, but he gives them a rule. Why? God, why did you give them a rule? Here's why. So they would understand that their relationship with him was real. Because if they didn't have a choice in the matter they would never really know if they understood God's love. But since they had a rule and they had an option to choose God rather than sin, they would know the experience they have of his love was real and good. So look, 
Rules help us, and that's why God saves his people from slavery in Egypt and gives them a bunch of rules, not just the Ten Commandments. That's the moral law. Then he gives all the ceremonial law, how to be pure and clean, to be able to approach his presence without being struck dead. There's a lot. Six, I think Evan mentioned the other night, like 613 or 14? 613 laws. That's a lot. I'm really glad we've been delivered from a lot of those. We still, are, we still are bound to follow them. God's moral law, the Ten Commandments. And those other ones in the, the, the moral component of displaying who God is. But listen, your parents, think about it this way. The rule that you hate about your parents helps you understand that your relationship with them is real. And the love that you experience with them is real. Because God gives us choices and he wants us to make wise choices and being under the, the, the authority of our parents keeps us and prepares us to be able to experience God in his fullness. See, God also wanted them to have a, have a rule to prevent, to keep them, to keep them in the experience of his love. Not to be separated from it, but to keep them in it. Rules do that. Have you ever saved your calories up during the day because of a big meal that was coming? I did it the other day because I knew it was going to be good. It was Miss Kathy and Molly's birthday on Tuesday, and I was like, I'm saving up my calories. I'm not going to eat anything until dinner. And I did it. What did I do? I put a restriction on myself. I said no to food throughout the day so I could say yes to a lot of it at night that was going to be really good. Have you ever saved your money for a big purchase? What do you do? You're, you're putting a restriction on yourself. You're putting a rule on yourself. Don't spend on that because that'll be cheap and it'll take away from the big one. So we need to save up for the big one. We put rules on ourselves all the time and we're comfortable with it. See this wedding band that I have? This wedding band is a rule on me. But it's not like, man, can't date any of the women because I got this on. I'm so restrictive. It's stealing all my fun and joy. Some men act that way, and it's bad. Some women potentially can act that way. It's bad. But this doesn't, this doesn't remind me that I can't do something. This reminds me that I've said no to every female on the planet so I can enjoy the love experience with my wife. I'm saying no to experience love within the, the relationship that God said that's most blessed. In husband and wife, look, our culture does something goofy and strange when it comes to love. It makes love devoid. You don't have, you don't, I haven't taken this off in a long time. You don't have to have a ring on your finger for love anymore. You don't need that anymore. You can cohabitate. You can just be committed to one another. To which I say, if you're not willing, they're like, we don't need to, we don't need to sign a piece of paper to show that we love each other. It's like, well, when I signed the piece of paper with my wife, I showed her how much I loved her. Because on that piece of paper, I said, till death do us part. See, if you don't have a ring, you don't sign a, a piece of paper, then you're saying, hmm, it's not till death do us part. It's like way a few steps back. Maybe it's to like, I don't like this anymore. Do we part? But no, we're, we're used to putting restrictions on ourselves. We're used to saying no. But understand that we say no in order for a greater blessing. So here's what's happening in your homes. Your parents put rules on you for the purpose of preparing you, preparing you by protecting. 
Let's keep things out. Let's make sure that our hearts are, are prepared to experience God in his fullness. But they also preserve our relationship with God. So I hope that gives you maybe some perspective to not be so angry against the rules, but seek to understand the motivation for the rules. And you can ask clarifying questions to say, hey, mom, dad, why this rule? And why this rule this way? My uh, children enjoy when they have Christian friends. They enjoy going back and forth about what shows they weren't allowed to watch as children. Y'all might find humor in that as well. And... They'll try to like, yeah, we couldn't watch that. And I was like, that's right. You couldn't watch that. I'm not sorry for that. Yeah, that other child was able to watch that. They were. You weren't. You know why? Because you turned into a little demon. That's why you were completely disobedient and you were rebellious and that just wasn't going to happen. That person could take that show. But you know what? That person was watching a, couldn't watch a show that we let you watch. You know, because why? Look, your parents know you. They know what's affecting you, and God's given them grace and blessing over your life to know you, to be able to say, you know what, that's not going to preserve your relationship with God. That's not going to prepare you for your relationship with God. I am not sorry that I or my children have, have never, the older ones may have now, but I, am, I do not apologize and that they weren't, all, all, <sighs> they couldn't watch SpongeBob, and I don't apologize for that. Because one, just the, the, the trailer looks so dumb. Just, I said, oh, this is dumb. I don't know if it's dumb or not. I just looked at it and went, we're not doing that. But you know what? There have been other things that I said yes to that I had to come back and say, mm, nope. There have been movies that we've started together and I've said, no, not feeling right about this one. And we've turned it off. Look, and, and my kids are like, oh, man, well, I really want to see that one. I want to have something to talk about at school because everybody's seen that movie, and I haven't. Because I have a Christian home. Why? We want to preserve and prepare our hearts for God. Now, here's the third point. The third point is Jesus died for your freedom. But this freedom is not a freedom, catch this, it's not a freedom to do what you want to do, it's a freedom to choose to love God with everything you are, which a lot of times is not how we feel, right? Right now, I feel like being miserable, I feel like being rebellious, I feel like being a tool to God, I just feel this way, we a lot of times don't feel that we want to choose God. But Jesus' death on the cross has taken sin's power away from us in order to free us to choose him. Galatians, a couple of verses in Galatians 5 say this. Verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I want to say this about that verse. The rules that we think are going to be best for us are usually putting us back into slavery. We think, if I can just do this, if I can have this type of freedom, then I'll be happy. But be careful, because that type of freedom might be the very thing to enslave you to sin again. And look, sometimes it only takes one try with sin. And that's the sorry part. It only takes one try sometimes to then be enslaved by sin. 
one look on a screen, one hit of something, one, one time we think, just one, it's not a big deal. No, we can't trust ourselves so much. But then you go on later in this chapter, and it's, chapter says this, chapter, here Galatians 5, 13 to 15, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Look, the biggest weapon toward our flesh is denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. Do what he did. Mark chapter 10 said he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are to serve in order to kill our flesh so we can see God, understand Jesus. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in this one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Familiar uh, phrase from this week. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. This is when it comes to interacting with our parents and friends. Now, I think there's a lot of times we want our parents to be friends. And you have a, you have a best friend. That friend's not like putting rules on you all the time, right? Look, uh, can we go to the movie? But look, we have to sit in like row 13 because I love the number 13. And we have to, I have to be on the aisle. I have to. And you have to do this. You have to say this. Well, nobody wants to be a friend, around a friend like that. And if you're a friend like that, please stop. Don't do that. That's unhelpful. But you, don't, you don't have a friend that puts rules on you. We want our parents to be our friends, meaning I don't want my parents to put rules on me anymore. But that's not helpful because God's given them to us as a grace and a blessing in order to preserve and prepare our hearts to understand God and see him. I didn't do that. See him in his fullness. I'm standing right here. See? Maybe I did do that. I can't, I can't be locked in one place. I need freedom. I want to walk. I can't walk. <sighs> Biting and devouring is where I want to go. Focus. And that's from a movie. Anybody know the movie? Sister Act. Very good. Go find it. Yeah. The nun comes in for the choir. She's like, ah, focus. She gets real serious. Focus. <laughs> to get everybody's attention. That's an old movie with Whoopi Goldberg. That would be a family-friendly movie. I think. It's not. Never mind. No, there are some movies that might, I'll quote my kids are like, can we watch that movie? Nope. I probably shouldn't have watched it when I was in college, but that's just a memorable line and I always say it. Sorry. No, you can't watch it. I'm focusing. All right, listen to this. When we know Jesus' freedom and love and peace, we want to experience that freedom and love and peace in all of our relationships. And that means our relationship with our parents as well as our friends. And the key to experience that peace is to serve. 
and submit yourselves. Submit yourself to the loving authority of your parents. Later on in, in Leviticus chapter 19, it talks about stumbling blocks. Don't throw stumbling blocks in the way of people. Don't, don't do things that'll sabotage your relationship and your understanding of God. And I want to bring out some categories for this. One stumbling block would be demands that we make of our parents. I want you to be careful and think about because they slip in all the time. We make demands of our parents even though we think we're asking a question. That just means listen. Listen to how you're asking a question because it could come off like a demand. In my house, it will be, are you telling me or are you asking me? And that's a clue for my kids to recognize it sure sounds like you're demanding right now. That's unnecessary. Let's approach this with honor and respect. Another one would be comparisons. If you are tired of your parent always, if you think your parent uh, compares you to other siblings or other kids, I wonder if you have often thought, I wish my parents were more like those parents. Because when we feel the sinfulness of others, it's usually meaning that we're committing those sins. And we need to be careful in those. Another one would be ingratitude. When we just simply say, I'm not grateful for anything my parents do. And you never say thank you. You never acknowledge that maybe they have, a, they have something going on. They have pressures. They have a life that's happening for them. And we're just unthankful. Ingratitude is a stumbling block in our relationship with parents and friends. Also, gossip. Gossip in the form of this. Celebrating other people's failures. We need to be careful we don't laugh when other people fail. There's, there's a point, and it happened earlier. I'm glad, I'm glad Seth led into the battle the way he did. Because it really was, it, look, that needs to be understood. This is all fun. We're going to have some jabs. Nobody get the wrong idea. This is for fun. And everybody knew that. But there's some jabs. For real. But we cannot, there's a difference. You know there's a difference. When you don't want somebody to be built up, you want them to be torn down. And so as soon as they fail, you can't wait to tell somebody else about it. You can't wait to laugh about it. You can't wait to, to capitalize on their failure to promote yourself. We do this with our parents. Can you believe my mom said this? Listen to this. Capitalizing on other people's failures is also taking a picture of them when they're acting goofy and they don't know about it and then giving it, posting it on public social media or sending it to other people. I, I'm annoyed by that. And my girls know it. Like, do not take a picture. Do not video anything in this house that you are going to send out that somebody's going to get a laugh out of. You can get permission. That's fine. Hey, this is so funny. Can I send this out? Get permission. But putting something out there so somebody else can, look how dumb this person is. Because there's a whole bunch of YouTube compilations about that. Old vines and everything. But that people put themselves on vine. They did when it existed because that was like so three years ago all right here's this is what we mean we're bringing it to this point number one is what read your notes good i'm glad we said that in unison number two is what and number three now 
I just had you write those three down because I know there's a lot that you're going to need to grow in. So look, just visit this, put it somewhere. Maybe you're not going to visit this little manual again, but write those things down. Keep it in your Bible. Do something with it that's going to remind you that when you are frustrated with the rules, that you're looking back and saying, hold on, God, I want to have your perspective on these rules. Because look, Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the entire Bible. You know what it's about? Loving God's rules. You can't love God's rules unless you understand how they preserve our relationship and love for him. Obeying the rules helps us understand God's love. And obeying your parents' rules, whether you understand them or not, preserve your heart. And they prepare your heart to be God's and God's alone. So here's my challenge. This is going to frame our, our prayer time. Stop fighting. Stop fighting with your parents. Stop fighting with your friends. Stop fighting, acting like it's everybody else's fault. Stop fighting. And start submitting. Start submitting. Submit to your parents' rule gladly. Submit to it even though you don't understand it because, look, God will call you to do something one day and you say, God, why? God says, trust me. You learn that. You learn that trust by trusting today that God has good for you and he's prepared good for you as you obey your parents. It also means that we just surrender to him. We surrender. We stop trying to make life about us and how we feel. And we recognize that God has a mission for us that is grander and greater than anything we could ever imagine for ourselves. He has a mission for us that when we obey his mission, that's when we live life to the fullest. It's not about trying to figure out how many experiences we can get under our belt before we grow up. And No, it's just simply about, God, I want to see you in your greatness. I forgot to tell the band to come back up. Oh, they're not there. So guys, we'll, we'll awkwardly watch you get back up there. Because I'm done. I have nothing else to say. Friends. Oh, I thought you were going to make a little arch over me. You don't like me. Beth and I heard something on the uh, radio the other day that now there's something called Venmo anxiety because people see their friends giving money and paying back for dinner or a movie, and they're like, why wasn't I invited? That's sad. That's really, really sad. <laughs> 2017 really was not that long ago. Look, when we sang the song from 2002, I'm like, that was not long ago. I remember singing that song at Acadian Baptist Center for youth camp. And Eric led us when he was much younger. Yeah, and there was, undone was still a thing. Undone was still done. It was, undone was, not yet. All right, let's stand up and prepare our hearts to respond to the Lord. Look, what we're doing in having these prayer times and response times is trying to, there's nothing magical about coming up here and, and we get prayed over and stuff and, and somebody cry and it's just emotional and it's like, my life is forever changed. It's not, it's not about something magical that takes place. It's getting our physical bodies to understand what our spirit wants to do. 
our spirit wants to love Jesus. And so sometimes it's helpful to get our physical body to walk forward as if we're, we're choosing. I want to walk for Jesus with Jesus. But here's what this, this response time is going to be this. If you have to repent to the Lord for demands, comparisons, gossip toward your parents or your friends, that's what this is going to be about. And it's bold to respond to that. Everybody can respond. If you just want to love Jesus, come on up. I want to love Jesus. Yes, I do. It's different when it's like, oh, no, no, no. In front of your friends, if you need to repent, come repent. Because listen, your parents are not perfect. The problem is with you. And we have to, that's the infinity war that Pastor Keith was talking about last night. It's inside of us. So we come before the Lord and we say, God, here's my heart. Here's my heart. Do what you need to do with my heart. Just let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for the, the, the way that your Holy Spirit has already been working on hearts. Could sense that during our, our worship time earlier. Lord, you, you've, been, you've been building on something the past couple nights. And Lord, I pray that tonight would be a, a solidifying effect in our hearts. I pray specifically, Lord, that feelings and maybe insecurities, just pride. I pray that pride would come to an end tonight. It would just, it, you would slay that dragon and it would be dead. And we wouldn't feel the force of our pride welling up if our parents say anything that we don't like. Lord, I pray for the gift and the grace of repentance that, that your spirit provides. That when there's, when there's sin that, has, and, and we're, and, and, there's abiding and devouring because there's a bitterness that's grown in our hearts. Lord, we need to repent of that bitterness. Lord, we need to repent of being critical toward our parents. We need to repent of being gossips. We need to repent of our ingratitude. Lord, we need to repent of all the stumbling blocks that we've put in the way, we have put in the way of our relationship with our parents. And Lord, I pray for the grace of humility that we would humble ourselves and love our parents and love our friends in ways that cause us to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. So Lord, we ask that you would move. Holy Spirit, move in our midst.